You better watch out. You better watch out. You better watch out. You better watch out. Veteran Lucas is back too. I don't know, teach you. That'll work. Yeah, that's fine. I let that go far longer than I should. That's not a very ominous, though, honestly. What are you teaching us? <laughs> I mean, I could teach y'all English, but y'all seem pretty good at that. I-, I don't know. And everything I know about fish, you probably know, too. Let me think. Uh, uh, fish be scary, yo. That's about it. That's all we're going to get. Fish are they're friends. Yeah, uh, there are friends, but there are scary friends. So, hello, everybody. Uh, all three of us are back. Welcome to another episode of The Science of Pokemon. It's me, Veteran Lucas, and with me are the two best people you can have on a Christmas episode on a budget, <laughs> Cameraman Chris and Fisherman Don. How are you guys doing on the holidays? You know, I'm ready. I'm hoping we get a little bit of snow. Don and I talked about snow last time and how much I love it. It sickens me, but go on, go on. I love cold weather. I was the kid in high school who wore shorts year-round. Hey, I was that too. But <laughs> Granted, like, Northern Virginia is not super cold, but, like, it still would get into, like, the 20s or lower. But I was shorts year-round all the time, loved the cold weather, worked in ice rinks. So this is my favorite time of year. Not just the holidays, just winter in general. Don, what have you, what do you do on the holidays? Does it kill things? I feel like it kills things. I just got back from fishing, and yesterday I also went fishing. <laughs> and then um, when I go home to visit family, I go hunting. So, yes. <laughs> So, guys, this episode we're putting out, it is, we are going to be talking about Christmas. And we're doing going to put it after Christmas because there's this tension rising up to Christmas. And then it cuts out. We're going to give you a little extra Christmas after your Christmas to get over the Christmas. Did that seem reasonable? And also so that we can have time for ourselves. That. That thing. We're going to do it that way. Uh, there's not going to be a Lucas lecture. Well, there wasn't a Lucas lecture when this, after this came, before this came out because I just wanted a holiday where I can enjoy Christmas the Japanese way. And we'll get to what that is in the episode. Is the, is the KFC thing a real thing that I've heard about? Or is that I will explain it all to you. No spoilers. I will explain it. That's a teaser. So don't, they don't know. Does Japan consume large amounts of KFC for the holidays? Let's find out. Okay, so to start off, uh, while we are recording this, it's a little bit after our Love of Lava episode, so some of the Pokemon news might not be as updated. Just forgive us on that one. It's the holidays. But for science news, there was a recent thing that popped up where there are certain foundations and organizations that are tasked with finding alien life on other planets. And one of the things that recently popped up was in a, a system the star closest to us, they were able to pick up what they believe to be uh, radio signals. Now, this happens a lot more than people think, but it's still one of those things where they're going to get it checked out. I, I do think that that's something that is should be noted, is that if there is some kind of radio signal, if there is some kind of satellite out there, we have the equipment to check it out. But one of the, um, the things that I always find so interesting is people are like, well, why haven't we found anything yet? It's kind of like throwing a bucket in the ocean. And then like scooping up the bucket and finding no fish in there. And it's like, there must not be anything in this water. Man, you suck at buckets. <laughs> what you don't know, Lucas, is that that signal is just star you and star me. Oh, no. It's calling home. They're calling home. They're sending those signals out ready for the, the star you invasion. Look, at, in 2021, we will do an alien episode. I am 99% sure on that. Oh, I'm so down. 
Why why haven't we done one of those before I even started? What's wrong with these <laughs> priorities? That should have been episode number one. I mean, I did a little lecture on it, to, you know, wet the palate, get them excited for it. You know, you got to build up to greatness, Don. You can't just start with greatness. It's gotta, you got to build up. That's why I'm the second child in my family. My brother was the first, the build up, and then I'm the star. That's how it works out. Yay, I'm the build up <laughs> child. Yeah, so again, that I just think it's something important to realize is that we do have people who are currently looking for life on other planets. And it's not a matter of if there is, it's a matter of where. I'm sorry. There's got to be something else out there. If you think there's nothing else but us in the universe, that is some weird, selfish thinking right there. Like, there's got to be something. It doesn't have to be smart. It could be goo, but it's living goo. Like, statistically speaking, there's got to be something. Yeah. Right, so what do we have? I mean, Pokemon related. Don and I, for we we always bring up the Players Cup, and we talked a lot about how it ended last time. And literally, the day we recorded is also we speculated when the third one would be. Yes, and we recorded on a Wednesday, and then on like I guess it was Friday when we were or Thursday when we were when I was editing the episode, they were like Players Cup three is a thing. Burr, 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 burr. So yeah, we're already on to Players Cup 3, and Don and I are pumped. Yes, we are. Is there any different rule set, or just may the odds be ever in your favor? We don't know. Yeah, they just it's a thing, and I think we know it's going to be on the 18th of January for the Invitational. Yeah, the rule is you can only use Magirna. Only Magirna, right, Don? That's fine. Magirna's great and totally not <laughs> I was listening when I, I listened to the stuff we post before we send it out. I was like, oh, I love Magirna. I wonder why. Oh, right broken <laughs> yeah well it's not like I, I i don't think i really doubt i'll ever have to run into it in an actual setting that like has real stakes mm-hmm. but it's definitely still um it, it's in any situation where you do have to run into it it's a scary yeah, i mean scary i i you know me if i can make the number higher i would i've looked into i mean that team you let me try out has been fun i'm just always looking for the next big thing i can throw on somebody anything from a flare boosted drift bloom right. to a weakness policy. Don't use flare booster. Oh, I, I love um one of my lo- one of my personal ones I love doing is just a classic dragapult with um a weavile or something using fling or like anything with fling on something on a ghost type with a weakness policy is my personal my personal joy. Just to make it extra. Well, then you can change the um. Well, what I really like to do with fling is I like to add one of those berries that increases critical chances. So then you throw that on a drift bloom. Who has unburden? So you you up the speed, up the attack, and give it the ability to get higher crit chances. And then while well, it's Dynamax, so it's it's pretty nice. Actually, that's pretty cool. Always fun. I'm actually using a, a flare boosted drift blim in the charity tournament. Yeah, but that's that's the one thing, right? It's, it's yeah. different. Yeah, it's definitely different. But I get like I get like three abilities per Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's wild. <laughs> Yes, we are both very excited for Players Cup. We'll let you all know when we see more any more info about the rules or anything specific like that. I guess the only other kind of update thing is that in Pokemon Go, they just released Galar Mr. Mime, which is very like kind of cool. All right. You exist. Well, it's also kind of like he'll be available overall eventually, but right now you can only get him through a paid research thing that's like eight bucks and like other stuff comes with it. And so like, yeah, I'm just not going to pay eight bucks for Galar, Mr. Mime and Mr. Rhyme, you know? 
is creepy. You don't like him. Why would I pay for it to look at me? <laughs> and he's just standing there tapping away. And it, if people are trying to complete the Dexes and they missed Mr. Mime events since he's geolocked to France, I can kind of see it, but like, I'm I, not mm-hmm. for me. No, I'm, I'm my goal in Japan is to collect as many far fetch as I can to bring back home with me. I will, I will say that they are doing a Kalos or not Kalos, a Kanto event in the game coming up where they are going to be releasing the shiny version of every Kanto Pokemon. Oh, really? Yes. And I believe there will be a research. I think it's a research to get shiny Mew, but yes, every gen one Pokemon will have its shiny released and will be, and will be available. Sweet. I mean, it's another chance for me to try and get that shiny magic carp. Oh man. I've got one I can give you. We just need to be within 50 kilometers. I see some challenges. We'll see if we can figure them out. So yeah, not not too much crazy news, but it's the holidays. Everyone stops doing news on the ho- during the holidays. Everyone's like, no, we'll just we'll just save it unless the world's ending, which it's 2020, so it might. All right, let's uh, let's get to the Christmas. I really want to get more holidays in this. So it should be noted, uh, one of the things that. I always make sure people understand about me whenever I talk about Christmas that I am Catholic. Like I do practice the Christmas, the Catholic way of doing things. How do you guys celebrate Christmas? What is your like Christmas thing? Typically I kind of go, I never really go home to um, my sort of immediate family. Um, this year will be a little different given things. My immediate family that I see anyway, because of Rona stuff, uh, we're getting like a, we're going to rent a cabin in the woods instead. Cause typically we would like Christmas itself was like sort of pretty immediate family. You know, we'd have a nice dinner. I uh, one my uh my aunt's side of the family if they hosted we'd go to church with them otherwise we just kind of depended on the year I think obviously this year we'll not be doing that then we'll be going and then typically I did like it's like a small family thing for Christmas itself and then right after Christmas we typically go visit I have a bunch of family in Georgia so we then go over there and visit them but not this year Chris what about you I'm kind of in the same boat just you know being with family which obviously is very different this year but being with family reflecting on the year and just celebrating each other and and you know looking forward to to the next year and just really taking a time to kind of pause and reflect you know and then and then like you know there's we have all the traditions of like you know trees and my dad goes bananas with christmas lights he's that guy he is that but it's also very star warsy Ooh, fun there's like darth vader and yoda and then atat in his yard and i think there was an x i think he added an x-wing inflatable last year oh that's sweet so he goes i'm sure does he love the star wars christmas special does he pretend it doesn't exist i honestly don't know if he's watched it he shouldn't oh oh oh, sorry sorry sorry. i thought you meant the the lego one that just came out no i bet that's sweet uh he's he has seen the original and yes does not he does not have it (laughs) (laughs) shocking Yeah, for me, my Christmas is on Christmas Eve. My family always goes to the 6 p.m. or whatever mass we can. Obviously, they wouldn't be doing that now because of my mom working as a nurse and everything. We she wouldn't she doesn't even get a chance to go to the church because some people are really really foolish. You no matter who they believe in, but um, normally we'd go to the Christmas Eve mass. We'd invite a bunch of people for Christmas Eve dinner, have a big party. We always invite people who don't have family because we realize that sometimes family sucks and you don't want to be around them. So you can join ours and we'll feed you. And that's my family's motto. You show up on our doorstep, we'll feed you. And on Christmas Day, we always buy a birthday cake for Jesus. That's my favorite Christmas tradition. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, like it's just get a cake. It's Jesus's birthday. And 
and my, as far as I'm concerned, Jesus loves ice cream cookie cake. And that's kind of it's the same as me. What are the odds? Merry Christmas, Jesus. <laughs> but I, everyone, what I wanted to point out is that everyone celebrates the holidays a little bit different. And I personally think that's okay. But many people don't. You'll see the stickers all the time in my in my church where it just says, keep the Christ in Christmas. Don't celebrate if you don't believe in Jesus. But Christmas has changed a lot. Like with, while we're doing the research for this, for starters, back in the day, nobody even liked celebrating birthdays. That was a pagan thing. Do you know the tale about when the um, it was one of the early American settler colonies? They um banned Christmas, basically. Was it one of the Puritans? Because it sounds like the Puritans. Yeah, um, because basically, um, all of the sort of happiness associated with the gifts didn't seem. It was basically meant to be a day of extra staring at the ground and being sad yeah it was, it was meant for ex- i think you mean piety and prayer extra pe- extra penance yeah extra piety and prayer which translates to the same thing but you know back in the day like and i'm talking in the 300 uh 300 a.d like these people were literally like no we can't celebrate his literal birthday because we want to we celebrate martyrs on the day that they died because that's when they're born into the kingdom of heaven so it's instead of celebrating like someone like St. Patrick's birthday, we celebrate the day he died, that sort of deal. But December 25th was eventually accepted as the day by the Romans because it was close enough to their connections to the sun god. Now, over time, the, the trees with the lights and the present giving, they were added by different cultures and everyone just said, hey, that seems neat. I'm going to go ahead and add that to my thing. But like you said... The Puritans hated that part. Yeah, not really big on the the fun. That's why anytime someone talks about like the American settlers were the true pioneers, like the American settlers were so radically Christian, other Christians didn't want to be associated with them. They were the Christians who literally hated fun. We were our country was America was partially started by a group of people who hated the concept of fun. I think they would like to see how America turned out now. Just hi. Let me introduce you to Miami, Florida, between the months of March and April. Have fun. Yes, because the rest of the time, Miami is a paradise for all puritanical beliefs. Oh, of course, of course. Piety and, and, and prayer. Good listeners of Miami, I, I love your fair city, and I do enjoy going there. <laughs> so this is not me insulting it in any way. I was born in that fair city, like most Cubans were, and it's a wonderful place to go. <laughs> that said, I don't like driving in it. No one does. That's the trick. Is there any like major city where it's like, you know what? Driving here is great. No. No. But like there's some cities that just are bad. Like Atlanta is just bad. Atlanta's awful. I grew up in DC or just outside of DC. So. Ooh. That's bad because your streets don't make sense. Yeah. Because they decide to make them round instead of straight like normal streets should be. Well, like that's that's assuming you actually get into the city. I lived maybe 20 miles outside the city and I worked in the city, lived outside, and it was like a two and a half hour commute one way all right back on track let's just go into santa claus because that's the one thing i always think that's so interesting that everyone kind of adds to christmas i decided to spare you all and not do my best buddy the elf impression as soon as you said santa (laughs) Santa! oh my god i don't know so the reason why santa is part of christmas is so fun because um saint nicholas again was a religious figure and Christmas was supposed to be a lot of times Christmas was celebrated around December 6th, which is his feast day, the day he died. So when I was going through this, all saints typically have like they're the patron saint of farmers, the patron saint of like widows. 
St. Nicholas is on record for having some of the being the patron for some of the most stuff. Yeah, it's a lot of cool stuff too. Yeah, it's the patron saint of sailors, merchants, archers, archers. See, I knew a thing. Repentant thieves, uh, prostitutes, uh, children, brewers, pawnbrokers, uh, and unmarried people. So he covers all of us in one way or the other. Yay! <laughs> Sorry, is unmarried people like? People who are together but not married, or just like anyone in the world not married. Probably the second one, because I think the first one was just they didn't like that. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, just not even like no, they didn't want to care for that. But like tactically, yes. Now because of that, most people just stick to the two big ones, which are sailors and children. The reason why Saint Nicholas is associated with gifts is one of the stories about him, where with the story of um, the three daughters where these, um, I'm going to paraphrase this story pretty bad, so forgive me if I mess up the details. There was a man who wanted, who was going to help his daughters get married, but he was poor and he lost all his money due to the devil or something. And he didn't have the money to pay the dowry to get his daughters to be married. So St. Nicholas, being a humble man and didn't want to make the guy feel bad, would sneak into his house and leave dowries, one a night for each daughter. At the final night, the man woke up and found St. Nicholas doing it and thanked him from the bottom of his heart. And St. Nicholas asked him to keep it quiet. Given that this story is out, that failed miserably. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it is one of those things where it kind of became a smaller part, but the Santa that we know came from a poem in the uh, mid to early 1800s called A Visit from St. Nicholas. And that poem is the one where we first see the Santa with the beard and the red. The red outfit was meant to be similar to that of a bishop's in the Christian faith. Oh, wait, uh, you mean a cardinal? Uh, no, apparently the bishops wore red. It's it's weird. But they used to wear red back then too. How about that? Yeah, look at that. But it was interesting that after all these years, it, Santa's only been a thing for about 197 years, give or take. It was 1823 when that poem was put out. So different stories cropped up all over the world about it. Again, cultures are going to take a story and change it to fit their narrative. You all know the story of Krampus, right? When do we get a Krampus Pokemon? We will talk about that. That's later. That's later, Dot. We will get one. But uh, I don't read the show notes. That's why we love you. It's spontaneity. <laughs> I think my, again, with Krampus, if you guys aren't as familiar with what he's supposed to do, uh, the most common iteration is on Christmas night, you wake up, Santa's there. Santa is going to quiz you on your prayers to make sure you've been practicing them correctly. If you practice them correctly and you get them all right, you get presents and everything is happy. If you don't, Santa gets real quiet. He leaves. Then a demon shows up named Krampus, bursts into your house, puts you in a sack, and beats you with a stick. And then in some iterations, he, he, he eats you. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of that version of Christianity where, hi, love God or the demons will come. Classic Krampus. Yeah, class. Oh, Germany. Also, not that bad of a horror movie. Yeah, I did hate Krampus. Yeah, it's... It, I heard it was it's decent. Fun, you know, it's not gonna, it's not breaking any boxes or breaking any molds, but it's just fun. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, let's watch this demon terrorize these terrible people. Uh, the final thing I do want to wrap up is that, again, if you if you live in the United States and you turn on certain news networks, you're going to see a lot of this debate on the war on Christmas, and it boils down to how are you supposed to celebrate this holiday that's been around for almost two thousand years, and it, it's so. Interesting, because everyone has their traditions. And personally, as someone who goes to church every Christmas he gets a chance to, I say, celebrate it how you like, 
don't hurt anybody and let everyone celebrate their own way. Follow those three steps and you're a good person. In Mexico, for example, uh, the kids literally go door to door and reenact the scene from the story of the birth of Jesus, where they pretend to knock on doors and ask if there's any room at the inn. Like they knock on the door, is there any room at the inn? No, they go back and forth and eventually they'll get to one house where there is room, like they considered like that would be where the stable is, and they have a big party with a pinata. I know that seems stereotypical, but pinatas are awesome. Um, in Brazil, they combine the two. You can have, because it's hot in the summertime, it's hot in the summertime and the wintertime, thanks to the lovely thing that is the equator. Shout out to the equator. Yes, good job, equator. <laughs> Not, let, you're going to have music festivals and priests marching at midnight. But Don, let me tell you about Japanese Christmas, Don. You wanted to hear about it. So yes. Japan is the most secular Christmas I have ever seen. There is not a drop of the nativity. It is all Santa's candy canes. And the two things that everyone eats here is Christmas cake and Kentucky fried chicken. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like the story here is the fried chicken. But what is Christmas cake? Christmas cake is literally just a really sweet, decadent cake covered in Christmassy okay. stuff. It's just a really sweet cake. Uh, it kind of ties back to how, like, my family eats cake as, like, a birthday cake for Jesus. Like, it kind of, it's got real distant ties to stuff like that where everyone just kind of gets their dessert. I ordered one for myself, like, one that's meant for a family of four, and I'm going to eat it with a spoon on Christmas in my bed. Nice. It's going to be happy. Merry but for Christmas. All right, so literally 50 years ago, 50 years ago this year, Takeshi Okawara, he was the owner of the first KFC franchise in Japan. And so he noticed that foreigners would come in and he would hear them complaining at the store like, ah, I wish there was like a turkey or like some roast pig or something we can have for the holiday that reminds me of home. And so he got the idea to start the ad campaign of Christmas Niwa Kentucky, which roughly translates to Kentucky Fried Chicken on Christmas. And so... He started selling buckets of chicken that were holiday themed, and it turned out to be a huge success. Uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken jumped on that and spread the campaign nationwide. So now, 50 years later, every single person here consumes fried chicken on Christmas. It's not even that old of a tradition, but it shows you how proper marketing can create an entire culture. The power of advertising. Now, I would like for you guys to guess the price for a bucket of Christmas chicken for a family of three. You don't get a biscuit. Three fifty. Three fifty. I can't do the, the conversion for, to yen, so I'm just going to say $4. $4 for a bucket of chicken. Try 40 Oh, wow. Yeah. Fried chicken here, stupid expensive. You are literally paying more for a bucket of fried chicken than you would pay for a turkey you had to cook. I paid $40 for eight live chickens. Is, is that because, like... Because cause are there, like, is that for, like, importing prices or is that just what it costs? Fried chicken and pizza in Japan cost more because they use better ingredients on them. Um... Like, I've tried the fried chicken here and it is amazing beyond words. I still won't eat at a KFC because I prefer eating at, like, the smaller local Japanese chains. You know, I don't want to be that American who goes to a McDonald's and a KFC when he lands here. But it's really interesting that... That is their Christmas. Like their Christmas has nothing to do with the nativity. No three wise men's, no Jesus, none of that. It's literally just, hey, Santa's going to bring us presents, probably books and stuff. We're going to sit as a small family group. We are going to eat Christmas cake 
we are going to eat fried chicken, and that is our Christmas. That is how everyone does it here. Like everywhere is sold out of fried chicken. You cannot get any fried chicken in this country for the next few days. Does that mean that KFC is open on Christmas in Japan? Everything is kind of open on Christmas in Japan because remember, it's a secular holiday. There are people who go like they don't make us English teachers work on Christmas, but they'll totally make us go to schools on Christmas Eve. New Year's is the big thing for them. Like the New Year is a much more important and symbolic holiday. That's when they go to the temples and pray. That's the one where they're more pious and the ones that they take more seriously. Christmas is like, yeah, it's a it's a fun holiday we took from the gaijin, the foreigners. Let's have some chickens. It's great. Oh, I love it so. But yeah, there's your Christmas knowledge, y'all. You can rest easy knowing that they really do think fried chicken is for Christmas. And what's worse is they think other people eat fried chicken on Christmas too. And I corrected all my English classes like, no, y'all are the only ones. Just you. No one else would do this. It's a tradition I could get behind. Yeah, not for $40 you can't. No, I'll get a turkey for that. But <laughs> You normally do barbecue on Christmas at my house. Oh, like that. that's so nice. All right, so I'm out of Christmas stuff. Y'all want to just get some Pokemon? So, what is a Christmas episode without our good friend, Delibird? When he first came out, everyone's like, that's Santa. So I don't need, I didn't even need to do research on it. Like, that's a Santa bird. We're good on that. He's got a little sack that carries his stuff around, too. Yeah. Now, it is an interesting Pokemon because it's just one of those, like, you don't even have to guess. It's just like, yep, that's based on him. But he does have a weird penguin-like body. And since he flies, he's kind of closer to a puffin in that regard. He's just a weird, poofy puffin. But he is said that in his Pokedex entry that he carries food around in the sack. He'll give food to those in need. Uh, Birds have been known to do this. There are only a few birds out there, but it's called um, uh, aloe feeding. Basically, where someone who you are not related to genetically, or even if you're in the same species, you bring them food and feed them. So this has been noticed in birds more often than not. It's in within your species, but it's to something you're not related to. It is really interesting to watch that behavior in birds because I believe the, the evolutionary mechanism of it would be for like, oh, this will help perpetuate. If I start feeding and caring for this baby, then someone might notice that I'm good at caring and might mate too. Again, there's a lot of nuance to that. I, it's kind of like when you get a dog and you try and show off, look how good I'm caring for this dog at the dog park. And then like you get attention from that. Yeah, the real reason I want to bring this up, because Don, you were asking about a Krampus Pokemon. Yes. What are your thoughts on a Deli Bird regional variant being Krampus? I love it. If they could make him not bad, I'd love it even more. I, it, it, has, <laughs> it has to be. We were talking about this while you were gone, Don. We said that the only options we felt like were that it could be a cross type of ice and either dark or fire. Yeah, I like that. Doesn't it? He beats you with a stick, right? So you can make you a grass type. Yeah, I Oh, it could have like the um, uh, what is that? Like the Steely Spirit ability, the Steely Spirit ability, but like for grass types, so I can beat them. Yeah, I can just start beating them. <laughs> oh, God. and instead of having gifts in the sack, it has a, instead of present, it's like a capture move where it it holds you down and lowers your attack every turn, like Octolock. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a trap move. Yeah, it's a trap. Like, huh, and you're in the sack. And every turn you take damage and you get your attack lowered. It would be perfect. That that would I'm I'm into that. That'd be cool. The opposite of Deli Bird. Yeah. Yeah, the opposite. Here's a present. Like, no. Is there a chance of getting health? No. Get in the bag. What? 
get in the bag. <laughs> uh, but Lucas, I have a question for you, which is if you could elaborate. So I'm looking at the, the dexes for Deli Bird and specifically the Sun and Moon ones. And it says, although it prefers colder locales, Deli Bird and Alola withstands the heat. Now, there are penguins that are not in cold areas. And can you elaborate a little bit on that? Most penguins are not in cold areas. Yes. That's, that's the big thing. Out of 18 species of penguin, 13 of them are found in places that are similar temperatures and climates to Florida. Like, they are hot. It's like 85 to 95 degrees. The water is cool, which is why they have the feathers. But there are literally penguins on the Galapagos Islands, which is one of the hottest places on Earth. Like, penguins like cool water. They don't like cold places all that much. Only five species actually live in Antarctica. The rest, they're going to find someplace that's warm and sunny, and then the water's cool with plenty of fish. And it kind of works so out So should them. we have gotten a regional deli bird then in Alola? <sighs> I think, again, when it comes to Christmas and the Japanese, they have a view of Christmas as, like, it's Santa okay. Claus. And Santa Claus is everywhere. Except in New Zealand where and Australia, where Santa Claus wears swim trunks and no shirt. So... We'll just hold on to our Krampus one. I do have to point out, though, that I am a little glad that Santa never brought me bugs on Christmas, unlike Deli Bird, who will, because he eats bugs, and that's sometimes the food he brings. Oh, my Lord. That's just it. Like, oh, Merry Christmas. Yay. Here's this beetle I found. You hungry? No, no thank you. No? I'm I'm good. It's cool, though. It's cool. I, I'm not, you can, you can have it. It's for you. It's a gift to Santa. So it shows you how good a boy I am. Uh, all right, now we have to kind of we kind of have to transition to the other one that's really associated with Christmas, and that's Stantler. Yay! Yeah, your boy. Yeah, he's he's not really talked about. He's like one of the most like when you think about Pokemon, people forget he's right there next to Finneon. Like people don't think about Stantler. Like he doesn't have anything. Like his Pokedex entry is terrifying, but he it is interesting. So. A lot of times people don't realize that reindeer is just another word for caribou. And the way I found, yeah, the way I found it out is in Europe, you call them reindeer. In North America, they're caribou. That's the name difference you're going to get. I normally hear it too as the sort of like domesticated version. That's far. Yeah, that's the other one I hear too is like when you're, when they're domesticated, you get to call them reindeer as well. So in Europe, you call them reindeer. If they're domesticated in Americas, in the Americas, you call them reindeer. And if they're out loose in the wild in North America, they're caribou. Yeah, caribou are caribou are really cool. I would really like to go have an excursion. And and like moose, aren't they really big? They're pretty big. They have the largest um, rack of antlers of any living species of deer. Related to body size, though, right? It doesn't a moose have more? Yes, related to body size, it is the largest. Thank you for the correction. And I believe the females yeah. also have antlers. And this is a fun fact to point out to if any listeners don't know antlers. Um, the difference between antlers and horns. So antlers grow and are lost typically annually and horns are like connected to the animal's skull permanently. And they like grow like additively every year. Most deer, only the male have um, antlers in order to show off to the girls, but the females in this species have them too. You are correct on that, Don. And that shows that they use it both for defense. So it's not for showing off to the girls anymore. It's used to fight off predators like wolves and bears and what have you. Alpha male caribou do have um, uh, like a very Fabio-esque like mane going on that I think is the, instead their, their method of showing off. They get like very like luscious like mane sort of deal going on. They got the, the, the floof. Yes. The floof. 
Uh, they are a really important species, though, because they are so large and because they migrate in such massive herds. Uh, these animals have been food, clothing, and transportation for a lot of people for thousands and thousands of years. Um, in the environment case, their migration is similar to that of wildebeest and zebras in the Serengeti. It's to help, they help digest the vegetation that other animals can't and help reproduce that in energy back into the ecosystem. Without them, you would lose what little vegetation that the areas have. Uh, the Christmas thing is, again, from that poem, A Visit from St. Nicholas, the same one that popped. Oh, I have sad science news. Oh, what, oh yeah. What, what was it? What was it? That we just, um, well, this is like, this was last year. Um, It sounds like last year. So we actually, did you know that we, up until apparently last year, we had a uh, caribou herd in the, like, continental U.S.? Not in the continental. I thought they were all in Canada. What happened? They were. It was like a. a it was a uh, herd that would cross between U.S. and Canada. Uh, oh, okay. It hadn't been doing very well for a long time, and like the herd sort of like vanished. It wasn't a very large herd, um, and it's like a mount. It's their mountain cal- caribou, which are like a debatable subspecies versus just like caribou that live in the mountains. They don't know if it was like the numbers were so low that it was predation or disease or something along those lines. Obviously, it's not like one that people can go hunt or anything like that. So I think it was like some environmental factors that led to it, unfortunately. <sighs> Darn it. I mean, that does go to what it says in the deck century about Stantler. Again, it's, it's antlers can warp space around them and make you go insane. Yeah. It's not, I, I'm always shocked that it's not normal psychic because it gets trick room. Yeah. It, it's just a, it's got weird antlers, but in the decks, it says that they were hunted for them, and that is 100% true in reality. Um, there was literally an article Nat Geo posted very recently that talked about how the largest herd in the world, which lives in Russia, is being poached. Um, so people will take the um, antlers when they're newly grown. Like when they're first growing, they're really fuzzy. The velvet. Yeah, the velvet. They want the velvety one. So they'll hunt them, cut the antlers, leave the animal to wander alone. And they'll sell them for everything from vitamin supplements, aphrodisiacs. Like, it's not okay. Like, it's it's bad. It's really just for the velvet, too, which is the thing. I, it's like, yeah, if it was just for the antlers, then just wait till they drop them and it's fine. But yeah, you know, yeah, if you're collecting antlers, like, that's always what I love about, like, when people are like, oh, we can just get these antlers. Like, you just wait in the woods for them to drop off. You clean them and no one gets hurt. Well, actually, that's. Actually, there's actually the point. Um, so shed hunting has become a really big deal. So this is a huge aside. Um, in certain mm-hmm. states, yeah. I think I got in Oregon especially. It's like collection for of uh, sheds for um either they're like really nice ones. They can be sold for like home decoration and people make chandeliers and whatnot. And then the crappy ones can be used as dog treats, like dog toys. Yeah. So it's gotten to the point where states are looking at instituting a shed hunting season because there's so many people out looking for sheds in the winter right after uh, like deer and elk drop them. That it's stressing out the deer and elk when they're at their most vulnerable point, which is in the winter. So now they're having to make it so that only a certain amount of people can go out and look for the sheds. And if you think this little segment can't get more depressing, um, the populations around the world are declining in part because of climate change. The environmental factors Don mentioned earlier, the weather is shifting enough and the climate is shifting enough that the food is staying is getting cold. They're getting colder rains that are freezing the food solid. And so it's making it so they can't get at their food, and so they're dying of starvation. So the reindeer pulling Santa's sleigh might be some of the only reindeers left by the end of all this. It's they're not. It's not a fun story, but it's important to realize that it is based on a real animal, and that animal is suffering in game and out of the game. It's it's not great. They are, yeah. It's a, it's a bummer that uh, caribou slash reindeer are a really cool critter. 
And um, they, they've been used, like, sustainably for such a long time by a lot of indigenous populations and stuff. Yeah, it's it's a bummer. I'm bummed. Let's talk about the happy Pokemon, because I feel like I, I had to throw this in here because there was no other episode I can think of for throwing this Pokemon in. Yeah, this, one is, I, this one's a bit of a stretch, Lucas, but I'll give it to you. It is a stretch. It is a stretch, but I'm bummed by the Stantler thing. So we associate the Christmas time with happiness and joy. That's literally the thing. So why not throw in Blissey? You can't stop me. It is the hap- happiest season of all. Yes, it, it certainly is. I mean, I can't prove that scientifically, but for some people it is. It's in a song. It, it, so it must be true. But one of my favorite YouTubers was like pointing out a thing like, huh, it might not be true, but these likes are. <laughs> What's the, um, oh, is it, I think it's Futurama. They said like, your tears say more than the evidence ever could. <laughs> that sounds like a Futurama thing. So, Blissey is supposed to spread love and happiness, and that's why I kind of put it here. And it's the only Pokemon that is based on something that's already in the game. Like, it's not based on any outside source. Blissey and Chansey are literally just built to represent Nurse Joy. They are just Nurse Joy's Pokemon. A Pokemon evolved around a profession. The egg it apparently carries is supposed to be filled with love and joy, and it makes you a better person, and it literally gives them away. Lucky egg. Does it does, does it say if it regrows them? Yeah, I mean, like, it might be just like a chicken. Like, they're unfertilized. It's just like a chicken. Like, here, egg, egg, egg. And when you eat the egg, it makes you a happier and kinder person. So literally, peace on Earth is an omelet away. Like, if you can get have, if you just breed an army of blissies and just have them feed the world's most turbulent areas, you can create a sustainable peace on Earth with eggs. I can get behind that. Yeah, I mean, that's what I can think about. I can't even think of a better way to describe this Pokemon as literally the creator of world peace in a delicious breakfast. It's great. I love this thing. But again, I know it's a stretch. Honestly, it makes me think of Kinder Eggs. Or eggnog. Oh, but like Kinder Eggs are actually tied to a holiday because they were, uh, I think they were originally given out to children uh, around Easter. That sounds right. In, 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 in Italy. Uh, and that's that's more so what I think of, which kind of tied to the holidays. Yeah, I'll count it. I just want to, I mean, when else are we going to talk about this thing? Now we'll never get to talk about Chansey. Oh, I mean, when we talk about things that ruined the meta at some point, when this becomes a battle podcast instead of a science podcast, we'll totally talk about it. Uh, it's, I mean, Chansey's all, or, well, I'm sorry, Blissey's always deal with a bull, but Chansey has its, there's the stupid minimized set that's tedious, which now max moves ignore that, so you can just bash it. Yeah, just, I'm just gonna punch it. And also, and also Chansey can also have Eviolite, can it not? Yes, you run, it's Eviolite, Chansey with minimize, and then you guard split with a shuckle, and you click minimize and toxic, and it's 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 a it's I think pers- I mean it's very annoying. It's very very beatable at real events because if you t- play it properly, you can always win on timer. Because mm-hmm. you can just Chansey can't get KOs, so you just KO everything else. Play the first two game, play the first game or two really slow, and then you force sudden death. And then in sudden death, Chansey's not getting KOs, so you just have to get a KO or two in sudden death, and you win. Mm. But it's tedious. Yeah. And so to wrap up the holidays, we got to talk about at least one Christmas tree Pokemon, but there's only one really, Snover. Well, Snover and Abomasnow, they're both trees. I mean, Abomasnow is based on like 
It's like if a Christmas tree got really angry that you... Have you ever met a, a Christmas tree? They're very angry. <laughs> so, Snowbird, from what I saw, it is in part based on a holly tree. Uh, they are a group of evergreen trees, and they do carry red berries. Uh, so, whenever you say, deck the halls with boughs of holly, a holly... It started being used in Christmas because, like many Christmas traditions, they took them from pagan traditions to look better. So one of the pagan traditions was that holly was a male plant and ivy was a female plant. And they would use that, um, they would use the holly as a representation of the birth of Christ and all that sort of stuff. So holly was seen as like a holy thing to use. Uh, also, the leaves were used uh, because they were kind of spiky. People would make uh, Christmas wreaths around their head because it symbolized the crown of thorns that Jesus would wear. I don't know why you would want to bring up like the death of Christ on his birthday, but I don't know. Religion would be weird. Fair. People get really morbid on their birthdays sometimes, so maybe it's sort of in theme. I, I, dude, I'm the Catholic, and I got to be like, that's that's too much, guys. You got to bring it down a notch. Um, so Snover, if you look at the death, does produce berries, and those berries are super delicious in the wintertime, so a bunch of small Pokemon eat them. That is 100% true in reality. There's a ton of small animals like small birds and rodents and all kinds of things that go and eat the berries of these plants. And they really feed on them more in the winter because as it gets colder, the berry becomes a little bit more palatable and it becomes a little bit softer. So it's able to be consumed easily. Uh, now, here's your PSA. Don't eat it. Yeah, do not eat it. Don't you touch it. Don't you look at it. Don't you eat it. I mean, look at it and touch it fine, but do not eat it. It's kind of spiky. How would you touch it? Yeah, it, it's just – no, it's it's a bright red berry. You should know better than to eating bright red berries that you don't know. 30 of them can kill a child. Like, they are not nice. These things – Back a guy at Disney, I think, died from eating a whole bunch of them. Oh, no. Like, in the park. It is not a good death. Like it is a, this is one of those diseases that causes uh, nausea, diarrhea, like you are, everything's coming out of you. It's not a good disease to go out by. It is a horrid, wretched thing. You do not want to ever, ever eat this. So you added something to our notes here. So fir trees. Yes. So I, I will accept the Hollyberry interpretation of Snover. I had not thought of it. But I always kind of thought of Snover as more of a, uh, a conifer tree, mm -hmm. which part of that is our fir trees, which are the quote unquote, you know, generic Christmas tree. They're the ones mm -hmm. that have the really, you know, short piney needle like leaves. But that was what I thought of. And it's probably a mix of the two, as is most things in these games, right? Yes, yes, yes. But so a couple things about conifer trees is they're the ones that are responsible for all the pine cones littered everywhere. It's particularly in my yard because I have tons of them around me and they just drop their pine cones. But those cones carry the seeds, which actually allow them to have such a, or a diverse amount of ecosystems that they can live in. The cone isn't necessarily what they all look like across conifers because some have that traditional pine cone while other conifers have more like fleshy berry type ones that look like it. So there's a little bit of mix uh, in between, they, they, they isn't like one size fits all, just like not all conifers are evergreen, but there are evergreen ones. Like, mm -hmm. you know, the fir trees that we use because they keep their leaves in the winter. Shout out to the bald cypress. It's the only deciduous conifer. Yeah. Give, give them their props. Mm -hmm. Now, an interesting thing about conifers that helps them survive frost is that they are able to have a, a concentration of various compounds within their leaves that 
kind of acts as an antifreeze. Ooh, that's cool. So that that's kind of why they're they're a little bit more frost tolerant. You know, that that kind of makes them a cool utilitarian plant. That's why you know you can think of them in the winter because they they are able to survive the colder temperatures. They also tend to be in a little bit more mountainous regions. Now, I live in North Carolina, and North Carolina, Lucas I already told you this, so you can't do it. But Don, do you know the the two highest producing states for Christmas trees? Is it not North Carolina? It's one of them. All right. Well, that's I feel like maybe there might be a West Coast state that's got a bunch of them. Maybe you're 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 definitely warm. All right. California grows a lot of crap. California. Close. It's Oregon. That was I, th- I actually thought about Oregon, but I felt like it might be too far north and like wouldn't be uh. Because I feel like you want it, like, they like it cooler, but I don't think you want to be too, like, too colder and stuff. Because then I feel like you want to have, like, the sweet spot of, like, you know, good a long growing season for maximum tree growth versus, like, the right temperature. Yeah, I think it, and it's also, I think it's mountainy related to, potentially. Oh, maybe an elevation thing or something. Yeah. Okay. Now, here's just a couple numbers around the Christmas tree industry that I think are pretty astounding. But between six counties across two states, so Oregon and North Carolina... Between six counties, they produce 51% of the 16 million trees harvested nationwide in 2012. Dang. Like there's, it's just like, it's just hyper dense. And so that, that may have changed over time, but overall, like the Christmas tree growth area is very concentrated. So like, you know, it's a very, very small and dense area, but they produce so much product for the country. For me and my family, we've always just had the same plastic Christmas tree for like 20 years. Oh, we, we cut ours down every year. I was always a, a real tree growing up, but then when I like was on my own, I've been plastic. Oh, I like I still I still go real tree. I um I'll occasionally though just go get like a random pine tree that's like a sapling and just go Charlie Brown style. My family, we um uh, sorry, my we um we didn't have much and we lost all our Christmas decoration to move. It was pretty rough for my family. So that was the only thing my mom could afford and a few decorations. So now that we're doing better, we've kept the same tree for over 20 years. Yeah. That's good. That keeps the, uh, yeah. The yeah. spirit going. Yeah. So it's it, nothing wrong with having a real tree. Lucas, you had talked earlier about the sort of traditions of decorating the trees. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You brought up the, uh, the you know, putting candles in the tree. So when they actually got to electric, which is what you would think would be better than, I mean, it's better than putting yeah. candles in it. But like, I, I still wouldn't trust, the first Christmas trees were, Christmas tree lights were produced in 1890. Ooh. And I wouldn't trust 1890 light bulbs in my tree. Weren't those the ones that explode? I, I just, I, I don't know the answer to that, but I know I wouldn't put it in a tree. <laughs> Now, and, and, and this is also to say with trees, you know, having real trees and the lights, like, you know, if you have a real tree, make sure that it stays watered. Don't let it dry out because that, that can lead to bad things. There, like Christmas tree, Christmas tree fires are a thing. So that was, that's, but that's most of what I wanted to kind of add in about, about the little Christmas tree industry. It's very, very, uh, there, there's a lot of work that goes into it for just like, there's just such a short, it's a fascinating industry to me because the payoff period, like, you know, this is their time, you know, November to December, like everything is just building up to this point where they have to hit everything. And it's just like, it's so crazy to be this industry that's built on this one period of time. I would say the real hustle, because where we've gone before to cut them down, it's like a Christmas tree farm. So you're not only paying for the tree, you're paying for the privilege to cut the tree down. Um, So really, I think that's the racket, because then you're just, you have less labor. People are paying you to do more work. That's how I feel about apple orchards. 
Just like, yeah, yeah, sure. Take your girlfriend. Have a magical experience. I'm just going to sit here and watch you pick my apples for me. Oh, but I love picking apples, though. And that's how they get you. I hate apples, so. (laughs) The the doctors lurk behind me every day. I have no way to prevent them from coming. (laughs) Lucas, there's one other thing that we should talk about with the trees, because you brought it up in our messages about this episode, which is Snover's hidden ability of soundproof. Yeah. I thought it should be something along the lines of like a hail-based mm-hmm. harvest, but you thought Well, so I don't I do not dispute that a hail-based harvest would be cool. But soundproof also makes sense because trees are used in landscaping as uh basically noise filtering. You know, think about like highways with like mm-hmm. trees everywhere, like it's a barrier like they they eat up the sound. So that it definitely makes sense. I don't. I wouldn't want it removed, but I. I will. I will grant that the ice-based harvest would be a nice addition. Have you ever driven through North Florida, Chris? I have not. It is exactly how you describe it, and it's really, really boring. I like the trees. I. I guess you do, but like when I drive through North Florida, it's like, hey, when can I get out of North Florida? I would like to see something else. There's cool things in North. There's cool springs in North Florida, and you can't find them because of the trees. That makes them better. <laughs> I mean, just, I mean, stopping can be fun. I'm saying driving through it, not driving it's through not it. The is most the exciting driving terrain, I will say. Yeah, like when you get to Georgia, at least there's like hills and stuff. You can actually look off the horizon. That's neat. You don't do that in Florida. But like when you're driving through North Florida, it's just kind of a bummer. I'm, that's really off track. But it's like whenever I think of a highway surrounded by trees, like, oh, you're here to stop the noise now. That's nice. You bore me, but you're nice. <laughs> That, that does it for me in Snowbird. Well, I'm not... All right, guys, let's wrap up the holidays. It, it, the holidays are fun, but they got to come to an end. Never. It's nice getting the family back together for these little events. I mean, I consider you guys your brothers yeah. to me. You know, we all we, we have fun. We goof off. We make content for the Internet. Yes. Y'all are family. Maybe one day Chris can come to Florida and you'll be back to Florida and we'll have a brotherly fish fry. Oh yeah. That's a dude. I was literally thinking about that when I was thinking like when I come back to Florida, wherever I end up, I'm going to be in Florida at least two weeks. I'm going to head over to the Don's. We're pro we might go fishing and we're going to go eat some fish. I know that's one of those things is going to happen. And odds are it'll be something you caught. <laughs> Like I, I know exactly, I know I'll probably be coming, I'll be probably spending one more year here, probably. And then I'm going to start coming back home. I'm going to end up back in March. Don, get a boat, get me a fishing rod. We're going fishing. I have fishing rods. <laughs> then we're good. Then we're set. We're going. And if you all are ever in North Carolina, I can show you what real barbecue is. Yes. Ooh. Ooh, y'all. Um, I'm, actually, going, y'all so I'm actually, I'm, I'm, I'm actually driving up to Kentucky in mid-January. So I might be able to make a detour. Yeah, when anyone says they have real barbecue, I'm like, oh, y'all about to make me act up because <laughs> I've sampled a lot of barbecue in a lot of places in my day. Um, so I'm all, but I'm always interested to try more. So Texas barbecue place here in my city in Hamamatsu, Japan. So I like that a lot now. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Yeah, last time I was in um, where was I? I was up in the last like regional barbecue I had was when I was up in probably Nashville last year. Um, had some good stuff. Memf- I've had the Memphis barbecue. That's very good. Um, actually, no, I actually got barbecue in South Carolina and North Carolina the other day when I drove to visit my friend in Virginia a few months back. I like my barbecue sauce sweet, and I like my meat off the bone as much as possible, like just falling off. I've actually got ribs in the smoker right now. There's no wrong barbecue. <laughs> Let's be real. 
Yeah, that's, that's the beauty of it. There is no wrong barbecue. Like, none, none at all. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Again, this is coming after Christmas. But to you guys, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy Yule. Happy Kwanzaa. Hanukkah's already passed, but I hope you had a good one. Thank you guys so much for being part of this. We'll see you guys again next year. Yep. Take care. Happy, happy holidays. Bye-bye, everybody. Adios.